Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The police chief of St. Louis first introduced the idea of the, quote, Ferguson effect. In a 2014 column for the Post-Dispatch, Sam Dodson said that the unrest in Ferguson following the death of Michael Brown had left officers afraid to enforce the law. As a result, he wrote, quote, the criminal element is being empowered. National pundits soon picked up on the idea. They claimed that police feeling demoralized had led to a spike in crime. Was there truth to that idea? A paper published earlier this summer by researchers at the University of Missouri-St. Louis dug deeply into the data. What they found is complicated and, in some ways, surprising. Joining me in studio to talk about it is Richard Rosenfeld, Professor Emeritus of Criminology and Criminal Justice at the University of Missouri-St. Louis and one of the study's authors. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. We're also joined by Lieutenant Colonel Ronnie Robinson of the St. Louis Police. Lieutenant Colonel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Do you have thoughts on the pressures faced by police post-Ferguson? What's causing a spike in crime? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Richard Rosenfeld, previous studies examining the situation locally had attempted to quantify whether there was, in fact, a Ferguson effect. Mm. But you and your team found those studies lacking. Why? Uh, well, for one reason, they didn't uh, encompass a long enough period of time to show trends or changes in trend. What we found by examining uh, changes over time in the enforcement of relatively low-level offenses, so we're looking at misdemeanor crimes, um, ordinance violations, arrests, and so forth, we found the enforcement for those types of offenses in St. Louis did go down after 2014, but they'd been going down before 2014. Mm. And in one or two instances, we found a somewhat sharper decline after 2014 when the Ferguson incident occurred. But it, in general, uh, what we found after Michael Brown's killing was pretty much in keeping with what we found before. That is, a decline in arrests for misdemeanors, uh, ordinance violations, and so forth. And you also found some interesting things when you sorted the data by race. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. The biggest declines were among African Americans. And so the arrest of African Americans for mis on misdemeanor charges, ordinance violation charges, um, uh, went down considerably. We also found declines among whites in most instances, but those declines were not as great as the declines we found among African Americans. I should also point out that in another uh, study that I published, my co-author and I looked at the 50 largest cities in the United States also keying on arrests for lower-level offenses on the assumption that if the police are pulling back, they're going to pull back on that more discretionary stuff first. We found no evidence in that study that on average across those 50 cities, um, a decline in arrests was associated with an increase in homicide. Like in St. Louis, we did find a decline in arrests after Ferguson, but that was simply in keeping with the pre-existing trend before Ferguson. So these arrests had been dropping. They'd been dropping, and we didn't find any evidence in that study that on average um, the arrests dropped uh, at a sharper rate after Ferguson. Now, uh, there are instances in which something like a Ferguson effect um, does seem to have occurred. Chicago is one. Baltimore is another. 
Those are relatively isolated cases, though. And we're going to be talking about St. Louis in a moment. And I think St. Louis, by and large, I think there are strong reasons for why the police, in effect, had to pull back in St. Louis amidst protest activity here. Let's go here uh, before we get into that question. Let's talk to Lieutenant Colonel Ronnie Robinson, who is um, active within the St. Louis police and was there while all of this was playing out. Are you surprised at all by this um, sort of glimpse at this data that, that Richard has just explained? No, I'm, I'm not surprised by his comments at all. And uh, I was a bit taken back by uh, the statement of policemen feeling powerless. And that's basically not my experience uh, with the officers here in the city of St. Louis. Uh, I think uh, more of the effect was fatigue and mm-hmm. the lack of, because we have issues with manpower, uh, we had to address uh, the civil unrest and leave <clears throat> uh, our uh, attention there for so long because almost four years of civil unrest across from the Ferguson effect to the Stockley trial here in the city of St. Louis that really uh, uh, exhausted our policemen, uh, the men and women on our force. So I think uh, a lot of it has to do with fatigue relative to uh, uh, the decline of arrest. The force was just stretched too thin. Yes, it was stretched very much. You're absolutely right. Richard Rosenfeld, the data that you looked at, um, it also encompassed the period of the not guilty verdict for Jason Stockley, um, who had been a a police officer who was being charged with murder. Um, And widespread protests followed that as well. Did you end up seeing a similar drop there as you saw in the immediate aftermath of the Michael Brown shooting? To some degree, yes, we did. Um, But again, I think the main point to make is that what we're seeing after the Stockley incident and associated protest activity, after the Michael Brown killing and the protest activity associated with that, uh, what we see is a kind of continuation of previous trends. Um, But I do want to underscore uh, one of the colonel's uh, comments. Uh, To the degree there was a Ferguson effect of the sort that Chief Dotson, then Chief Dotson, suggested might be the case, Uh, it's my view, and um, I think it's the correct one, that um, police were drawing back because they were being redeployed to civil unrest and protest activities around the city. And in some cases early on, of course, St. Louis City Police were joining police from other jurisdictions in St. Louis County. And um, when you take police officers off their normal patrol assignments and redeploy them to these kinds of incidents, it's not surprising you will get an increase in crime. But that's relatively time limited. I think the question that I have is how do we move back from where we are now to our pre-Ferguson level of crime, which was no great shakes. But, right. St. Um, Louis still had some issues. It provides an immediate benchmark. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, there were 120 homicides in the city of St. Louis in 2013. There were 187 in 2018, well after Stockley, well after Uh, the Michael Brown incident, Uh, that's a 56% increase. Other cities that experienced uh, an increase in homicide, and most big cities did in 2015 and 16, have now, most of them have now returned to their pre-Ferguson baseline. We have not. Through August of this year, we've had 136 homicides in the city. That compares 
uh, with 117 during the same period last year, a 16% increase. So this is these are some really troubling increases. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robinson, how much is this on the minds of um, the higher officers in the St. Louis Police Department? It, it, it's our number one priority to try to decrease our violence that we're experiencing right now. And um, it's uh, we talk about it daily. Uh, we have weekly ComStat meetings relative to how we're addressing uh, violent crime and our strategies, trying to uh, get a handle on and try to deter uh, the reckless homicides that we're seeing now. And unfortunately, some of our shooters are, you know, we're seeing or experiencing shooters that are younger and uh, not experienced with the weapons that they're being able, that they're ex- they have accessibility to. And uh, th- another thing that's nurturing our violent crime is our lenient gun laws in the state of Missouri. And we have a real serious issue with that that the uh, the citizens need to address and uh, look at. And I think one of the biggest issues we need to look at is that the metropolitan area shouldn't be looped in with the rural areas of the state of Missouri. Maybe get an exemption from some of those very lax gun laws. But it sounds like you, you feel pretty clear this is not a case of, of police officers being afraid to do their jobs. Oh, no, ma'am. I'm, I'm very clear on that. I'm, I'm very confident in the men and women that come to work every day with our agency. And uh, we're just faced at a time with a time right now that uh, it's a perfect storm for violence. You know, we've got the accessibility of guns and saturation of guns in some of the most volatile neighborhoods in our city is really hindering us. And uh, the laws, we need to address those. We need legislation to help us fight that problem. We have heard from a number of callers here. Um, I'd like to go to the phone lines. We've got a caller, um, Ron, who's calling from Ferguson. Hi, Ron. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hey, uh, uh, my first comment is that all references to this problem should be referenced to the St. Louis region, is not Ferguson. I mean, Ferguson had one unfortunate incident, and we put all this effort in building community centers and gyms and stuff that they really didn't ever ask for and don't need. In the areas where this stuff is really needed, they didn't do it, and that's what we see most of these homicides of young people. Ron, uh, uh, second, I, I see R- Richard Rosenfeld sort of nodding as, right. as you say that. I think our, our two guests would certainly agree with what you just said. Absolutely. Um, but go on. You, d- you did have another point you wanted to make as well. Yes. The media coverage uh, that evolved around the Ferguson provided almost no statistics. It was just basically editorials and was based on no statistics. I'll give you one. I would say they said, well, 80 percent of the uh, people that got tickets in Ferguson were black. Well, 80% of the people that live in Ferguson are black. And and most of them went to teenagers. And if you look at teenagers, 90% of the kids that are teenagers uh, in Ferguson are black. And so the statistics actually matched up. Uh, but but because of the people who are writing the stories wanted to make it seem like the, the, something was out of whack, they didn't tell all of the They didn't give any real statistics. They just made editorials. And, again, everything should be – somebody should go through and list factual data and then let people do editorials from that. Ron, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Richard Rosenfeld, do you feel like some of the media reporting on this idea of the Ferguson effect, to bring it back to what we're talking about, do you think it's missed the mark? Absolutely. Uh, You know, I have colleagues and friends who live outside of the area and uh, they were exposed to the national media coverage of the Ferguson incidents. They came away thinking of Ferguson as a a community in just absolute uh, dire straits. Now, Ferguson has its problems, but as your caller suggested, other municipalities in St. Louis County arguably 
have uh, more deeply rooted uh, problems. The Absolutely. fact that the incident happened in Ferguson, I think, was came as a surprise to many St. Louis residents. So, yeah, I don't think the media helped in this respect. Um, but, you know, I want to come back to the issue that we were just discussing. We've got a violence problem in the city of St. Louis, and indeed not limited to the city of St. Louis. We have to deal with that. That's our number one priority. And, uh, you know, if we don't deal with that one first, all the other things that we want to do to improve living conditions uh, in the city of St. Louis uh, are simply not going to be attended to. We heard from another caller who just wanted to leave a message. Uh, Tony from St. Louis called to say that since Ferguson, police are being watched more, and because of that, they're being held more accountable. Lieutenant Colonel Robinson, do you feel like there have been some some good reforms that have come out of the events that happened in 2014? Oh, yes, definitely. I see change and positive change, not just in the city of St. Louis, but throughout the region. And uh, I would like to uh, uh, agree with Dr. Rosenfeld that you know, that it's not just a city problem, it's a metropolitan problem relative to our crime and our violent crime. Homicides are up in the county also. And people have to understand now with technology, uh, crime is more transit now than it's ever been before in our community. And the people that participate in illegal, illegal activity are utilizing cell phones and social media uh, to communicate and address and carry out issues amongst themselves and, and that unfortunately affect the innocent people that are being killed in the background of these shootings. So, yes, uh, uh, I see a lot of positive change. You can look and see uh, that uh, our circuit attorney ran on a platform of justice reform. So you got a circuit attorney that's addressing that. You got a new chief, a chief that is uh, has that is possessed with a lot of integrity. That is exactly what the city the city needed at the time of unrest that we were experiencing, and the leadership. We got a, a director of public safety that's been a pillar in the community, sat on the bench as a judge for 25 years. So you see a lot of change. You got a new mayor, a female mayor for the first time. You see a lot of leadership there. So I see a lot of positive change from 2014. And let me just add this. You know, you call it the Ferguson effect, but people have to understand, and what Dr. Roosevelt was alluding to, I do believe, is that we have a, a, a problem or had a problem of predatory police practices for years in this region. Mm -hmm. And Ferguson just happened to be the platform that exposed it. Mm. We also heard from a caller who called in to share that according to an associate of hers who is supposedly a current Ferguson officer, you can take that with a grain of salt, we haven't verified it, but what she's saying is that people there um, are not being charged with armed criminal action, they are not being arrested, and instead they're get, being given a summons. I guess the, the caller's idea is maybe that people are trying to juke their statistics a little bit. Richard, are you do you think that departments might be trying to manipulate what they charge people with in order to show that they don't have a problem, say, with electing or with arresting too many people? Well, that's a possibility, but the very fact that uh, your caller mentioned it on the radio suggests that uh, it's very difficult for police departments to, as you say, juke the statistics <laughs> without being found out. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, and so I don't think that uh, that is uh, all that widespread. I would be very surprised if someone was issued a summons for armed criminal action, which is a very serious That does seem like that could be felony. potentially scandalous if, if that was happening. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, there's that can happen. It doesn't happen all that much today. Okay. Uh, one other interesting part of your paper that I wanted to just briefly touch on uh, before we wrap up here is you were looking at um, 
arrests for felonies mm-hmm. and how that ended up sort of changing uh, based on the race of the person being arrested. And over time, that ended up changing more. How, what about white people being charged with felonies? It was different than black people being charged with felonies. Right. Well, generally speaking, in the case of felonies, uh, we didn't find uh, the kind of drop in arrests that we found in those uh, uh, in the enforcement of, of lesser offenses. By and large, arrests for felonies track the commission of felonies uh, in the city of St. Louis. We did find in one instance um, uh, that there was some increase in uh, arrests of, white for fel- of whites for felonies. Uh, I don't think we know quite what to make of that. Uh, but by and large, arrests for felonies track felony crimes. Do you think it could have anything to do with fentanyl and increasing numbers yes, of white people yes. using heroin and fentanyl? Absolutely. Uh, Ronnie Robinson sounds like you have some thoughts on that. Yes, uh, definitely. Yes. Uh, the drug issue in, a, uh, in, our, in our community definitely uh, contributes to the felony stats relative to uh, white people being arrested for felonies. So yes, I would say that has a definite effect. You're seeing that from men on the street. They're having to deal with this problem. Yes. Yes, and I want to say something about uh, the caller mentioning us possibly trying to juke our numbers. Uh, that is almost impossible at this day and time because mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, civil unrest in Ferguson. We are more transparent now as a police department, it, more so than in any time before. And I think nationally that's happening across uh, the United States, transparency being practiced and being able to let the community know exactly what we're doing as an agency is one of our priorities, too. The chief is very big on transparency. So it sounds like there is a Ferguson effect. Maybe it's a very good thing in terms of increased transparency. As you're Oh, yes, I would agree to that. So um, we're out of time today, but I want to thank you both for coming. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ronnie Robinson and Richard Rosenfeld, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.